Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Muller She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today, my returning guest is Joe from Jersey. I absolutely love her. She's so much fun. I'm going to read her Twitter bio. Democrat, news junkie, lover of puns, Lebanese, hothead, mom, geek, and blocked by Chachi. So am I. Oh my God, we're going to have so much fun today. We're going to talk about politics, but before we do, the Start Me Up podcast is independent, supported by listeners, and it's woman run. A great big thank you to everybody who supports the show. If you enjoy today's podcast, visit patreon.com slash startmeup. Check out all the tiers. I do include a tier with a much shorter intro and no ads. You can hear the free shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and they're followed up by What's Up, a show just for patrons where I talk about anything that comes to mind. It's a little more personal, kind of like my online diary. Visit patreon.com slash start me up. And don't forget, you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Joe from Jersey. Welcome back to the show, Joe from Jersey. Thank you for having me. Well, you're just so freaking cute. I said that before, but you are. And your whole, Bren, is it Brenda Sue? Becky Sue. Becky Sue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Becky Sue. Uh, I gave her a last name last video, so it's Becky Sue Babcock. <laughs> would you would you just do a little bit of Becky Sue for us? She's a MAGA who doesn't yeah, get who doesn't understand nice. things. So she says things like, "Hey y'all, it's me, Becky Sue here." <laughs> talk about she likes to talk about CRT, even though she doesn't know that it stands for critical race theory, and she thinks it stands for critical race training. <laughs> yeah, Becky Sue thinks that they're trying to train white people to hate their whiteness. <laughs> she drank bleach. Let's see what else did she? Ivermectin. That was her first video. <laughs> Next, she's gonna do the um, the white pine needle. Have you heard about that? No, I haven't. So apparently, if you have pure blood and you are unvaccinated, if you I think you have to ingest or stab yourself. I'm not really sure. <laughs> white pine needles will keep the virus at bay. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, that's well, good to know. I need to go pick those white pine needles. That's so. <laughs> Very you useful. Just find those, yeah. You just find those at like Michaels or Kmart or something. <laughs> but don't get the vaccine because it's a kind of needle and it's not safe. <laughs> but a fork in your arm make you magnetic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that's Becky Sue. Yeah, she's an idiot. And you're very good with the accent. That's that's a good <laughs> accent. And you're just, I also just love how you're kind of so sweet. You're just kind of so sweet and clueless. And what it, you what I can't remember which word you were you were substituting obviously you were trying to think say revolution do you remember what i'm talking about yeah she was instead of new year's uh a resolution i think she was calling them oh. Re- yeah <laughs> new year's revolution new year's revolution <laughs> yeah she, she's really not very bright no um, <laughs> to play in the beginning more people know now but in the beginning it was super fun because i just i really could make fun of the stupid maggots out there yeah. and uh, troll them so it's satisfying <laughs> for me on many levels and i got to check my own brain at the curb and and be that person for a second so yeah she's yeah she's it's weird because people don't hate her even though that's so funny because you're because she's cute and sweet even though she's really stupid um (laughs) and all that other stuff too so yeah we haven't got she hasn't gone there much except that she's very proud of being white right right yes so Mm -hmm. so much pride there um oh yes 
Let me ask you this, because you were on the show before, and then in between, from then and now, you got COVID. In mm-hmm. fact, in fact, I mean, I remember on Thanksgiving Day, that's when they were like, variant, variant mm-hmm. was trending. And I was like, yeah. shit. And I look at it, and I'm like, oh, my God. And then, of course, because I had to create a tweet that expressed my... I guess you could say fear, um, exasperation, frustration. All these people start coming down on me and saying, oh, we don't know anything yet. Stop panicking. And it was like, okay, well, look what happened. So, right. I, I mean, and I, was I panicking? I mean, I was just expressing the fact that, like, oh, my God, it's Thanksgiving Day. And we think maybe, maybe there's some hope that we're going to, you know, Delta's going to be fading, although we were exp- we knew going into the holidays that we were going to see surges. But yeah. now this changed everything. So, do do you know if you got the Omicron virus well, variant? Just, yeah, to, to back up a little bit to, to what you were saying about we reached Thanksgiving and here we are in 2022, and like maybe we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, I hadn't seen my own siblings. I, I'm one of five, and uh, we lost our brother, who was the oldest, oh. right, right, right before the pandemic started. <sighs> so January of 2020 of 2020 he passed away so the last Mm -hmm. time i had seen my own sisters i'm the youngest of the five uh was at his funeral so i hadn't to visit uh for thanksgiving which is our traditional thing to do until of course it started to start to feel like maybe covid's a little bit in our rear view even though it's not so i flew out to ohio um, MAGA country this Thanksgiving and then as I'm doing that of course like you said to your point then variant starts trending and you mm-hmm. start hearing about thing that's happening in Africa and other countries and mm-hmm. it's this other variant that's you know very transmissible but they don't really know you know how deadly or what the hospitalizations are like whatever so I digress so I flew with my kids uh, for the first time in many years and everyone of course was masked up the whole time and I kept thinking to myself you know even though we're wearing masks this this, this still feels a little risky Um, and of course we did not as far as I'm aware contract COVID from that flight but um, my mindset at the time was that we were a little further down the road in terms Mm. of putting this stuff behind us than we than we actually were Mm -hmm. But answer your specific question about whether or not I had that the Omicron variant. I don't know. They didn't tell me. Um, they didn't give test for a strain, to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that what I had symptom-wise matches up pretty closely with uh, what I've heard are sort of the telltale signs of that variant. Um, and so walk walk us through it. Like, explain how it went for you. Okay. Uh, yeah. So. Um, it was funny. I went to, again, risking things, I guess, in hindsight. I went to a Rangers game with my good friend Steve Hofstetter um, on Friday. So we'll just sort of back this up mm-hmm. on a Friday night. And it was fun. It was a, a sort of long night, but a fun night. And I and I went into Saturday. A friend asked me if I wanted to go out for a drink. And I was like, you know, I'm just tired. I think I'm just going to lay low. I think the Rangers game sort of wiped me out. And then Sunday came. And I was like, you know, I'm still really tired this is weird maybe i haven't done anything active in long enough where just one night out in the city uh you know wiped me out for the whole weekend and then uh i woke up monday morning and um i was i was struggling to have to talk i had Hmm. no physical voice it was very strange my throat hurt 
pretty bad. And uh, the kids were sort of laughing at me that I sounded like a kind of like a different character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't yell or anything. Um, but I didn't recognize that as I didn't know enough, I guess, which is my failing to recognize that as a symptom of anything, let alone. I mean, I thought just maybe I had a scratchy throat. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't have any other symptoms yet so I went to work which I regret Mm -hmm. um and we were also short-staffed because other people were calling out sick um at the time and I worked and by the end of the work day I said you know I really don't feel well I was getting very dizzy Mm -hmm. and really lightheaded and I was super lethargic and everything seemed to take a little more energy than normal and then I I had my sister of mine actually worked her husband works for one of the pharmaceutical companies so she sent me home with uh five tests of like two tests each five boxes so i was like well i have the test not knowing yet of course that they would then become basically the hunger games to find (laughs) right exactly (laughs) yeah so i was like well let me just i have the test let me just take it and see um and I took it. It was negative. So I was like, okay, well, I don't know if that's, you know, if I should trust this or not. So I went to bed, woke up much sicker the next day. Again, sort of just a graduation of the same sort of symptoms, um, extreme like lethargy and, um, not difficulty breathing, but just everything taking extra breaths. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I called out of work, took another test negative. And I was like, you know, this is odd. I'm fully, I have symptoms here or whatever this is. It's not strep. I had a fever. I, I just didn't think it was the flu. It didn't feel like the flu. So I waited another day, didn't go into work again. Now we're really right at Christmas. It was like the 23rd of December. And at the end of that Wednesday, I guess it was, I took a test at home and that one came back instantly positive. So I was like, okay, well, there it is. So now I know that. Luckily, I hadn't gone in, you know, the days prior, but uh, except for the one. And then I went and took um, the molecular test at my doctor's office the next day. And of course, that was also positive. But by the, I would say by the fifth or sixth day of the onset of what I recognized as symptoms was really a struggle. Like I was, it was really, it was a mind game a little bit because things that would be simple tasks during a holiday season, just like wrapping a gift. Mm -hmm. I had to wrap, take a break pause like wow. rest and then reset it was it was i was i, I mess with my head i got very depressed because yeah. i thought i've gone through all these years uh which is sad but two years really right and i'm vaccinated and i'm boosted and i've done all the right things and now it's christmas and i can't even do these simple tasks at christmas and it just it was a little depressing yeah yeah wow so you said it didn't feel like the flu right no what you know and what's funny is my brother got he got covid right before christmas in 2020 and it was funny because we were over there this year um for christmas and he kept reiterating doesn't feel like anything i ever had before right so what how did it differentiate from the flu um for me and it's funny because i've talked to so it turns out uh Every one of my coworkers got it. Oh no! <laughs> but most of my school, I'd say eighty percent of the student population and and ninety plus percent of the staff uh, got right. it. Yeah, and, which is scary. But uh, everyone's experience was a little bit different. But my personal experience and my experience with the flu, I was able to still conduct my life with mm-hmm. this. You know, yeah. As much as it was messing with me and and 
diminishing my capacity to do things, I was still up and about. I could still, I was still hungry, which is always a good Interesting. sign. Interesting, yes, right. Yeah, I still had an appetite uh, until, of course, the, I had one day where my scent, my sense of smell disappeared, um, and that was very odd, and uh, that a mind fuck too, but, mm-hmm. uh, but I still, I was able to continue to exist somewhat normally, and with the flu, for me, I'm on my ass, in bed, I'm under 7,000 blankets and 22 sweatshirts and freezing and miserable and yeah. not moving. Um, I did have a friend who isn't boosted, whose experience with this bout of COVID was more like that. Um, wow, just, interesting. Yeah, and she's young, but her but then she had a strange reaction to the vaccine itself, hmm. so which made her decide not to get boosted. But whatever. But my mm-hmm. so yeah, different from the flu, in that while everything I did was colored by being sick, mm-hmm. it wasn't impacted enough that I couldn't keep going. You know what I mean? I had yes. no choice. Um, it's Christmas, and I've got two kids, and I'm a single mom. <laughs> Sitting on my ass and not wrapping presents wasn't really an option, so I had to keep going. But yeah, I would say, and I again, I talked about this on Twitter too. I attribute so much of that to being vaccinated, being boosted, mm-hmm. and um, I was terrified to even consider what might have been mm-hmm. the my body's response. You know, so yeah. yeah, for me, those that was the most marked difference is that I was able to just continue to do things even though i felt like an old lady trying right. to do them i could still do them so you yeah. said you lost your, did you also lose your sense of taste no not entirely <laughs> this is weird because everyone says well this isn't one of the hallmarks of this strain or this variant like that's not people aren't saying they're losing their sense of smell and taste but i remember i was wrapping presents and mm-hmm. i called my sister crying mm-hmm. because i said uh I tried one of the kids' Takis, which are these ridiculously spicy. <laughs> yeah. Dips. They're, like, insanely spicy. They're meant to hurt you when you eat them. And I said, <laughs> it wasn't offensively spicy. I could eat, like, several of them. I couldn't really even taste the spice. It just sort of tasted, like, hmm. salty. And then, I, and then I went nuts, right? So I, I confess. I am a little crazy anyway, but I went extra nuts. <laughs> and I started smelling things and yeah. tasting things all around. <laughs> like, oh, I don't blame you, yeah. I was like, I got bleach. I could barely smell the bleach. Wow. I'd recently gotten kittens, right? So I, I was trying to go smell the litter. <laughs> and, I, and I didn't taste the cat pee or the cat poop. I went in the bar. But I was trying to taste things and trying to smell things. Yeah. And everything was diminished. Not enough that it was gone. But like a vanilla scented candle, no, no scent at all to mm-hmm, me. Um, mm-hmm. So it was really weird. And, and that, the scent thing lingered longer than the taste thing. But it, even the taste thing was, I would say, I would give myself 50% of my capacity to taste flavors wow. at most. Wow. And then, Interesting. Yeah, maybe 10% of scent, which wow. is really strange. That um, is, yeah. And that one lingered. It's still not 100% with the sense of smell, which is weird. Huh. But when you when you lost it, um, did it affect your appetite? No, I'm a biggie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I, I well, I mean, I don't know because I was so busy trying to get all that other crap done with mm-hmm. the time that I had, which was everything taking extra time, that I wasn't eating much for a couple of days there. But mm-hmm. like, I don't know if it's attributed to the fact that I wasn't tasting anything or not. Because um, yeah. I was still, we had sushi. Uh, delivered. It was gross. <laughs> we did because we were quarantined. Yeah. And, I mean, I could taste like the wasabi and whatnot mm-hmm. a little bit. 
still eating. Yeah. Wow. And then, so your your children who live with you did not catch it from you. Well, um, when we when I first tested positive, I already exposed them, um, and then we decided to quarantine together. Mm-hmm. Um, and my daughter, who's almost nine, she I tested them constantly during that period of time just to make sure, and she never ever tested positive. But my son, my twelve year old, did. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So we're not really sure about. We don't know like who brought it. Maybe my daughter had it mm-hmm. and brought it home, and then you know enough time had passed. We still don't really know. But yeah, no, yeah. she never tested positive, which is which is really strange. I mean, she she often snuggles with me in bed, and before we knew I was positive, that was happening, mm-hmm. and never tested positive. Neither, and my son didn't even have any symptoms, and he tested positive. Hmm. Which was so remarkable. he never got he never got symptoms. He had a sniffle. Wow. Honestly, that was the worst of it, and it was yeah it nothing so he's also fully vaccinated um which my daughter wasn't yet and Mm -hmm. is now and Hmm. she never got it at least to our knowledge so yeah wow that's really fortunate yeah and we were it's funny because in here in jersey that was pretty much the first big wave Mm -hmm. was right around christmas Mm -hmm. and then um so we were with some of the first ones I think because I work in education, mm-hmm. we're some of the first ones to get it. And then by the time New Year's came around, almost everyone we knew wow. had had um, and was or dealing with it. Mm-hmm. So it was really crazy here. And this, now in Jersey, it's everyone was already infected, so it's pretty much passed through. <sighs> wow. Yeah. Heading west. Wow. Well, uh, you know, I mean, I've been watch. I have not had COVID, to my knowledge, <laughs> and I don't think I have had it because... <laughs> I live with someone and, and neither one of us, I mean, I guess it's possible that we could both be asymptomatic, but yeah. um, I think the likelihood is that at least one of us, and I have a ten. you know what? It's funny. I used to be a smoker, stupid mm-hmm. me, and I quit okay. in, <laughs> I quit in 2013, which is good. Um, yeah. So after 2013, I think, I think in 2014, I got really Oh my God, I got sick. I was living in Northern California and there was this horrendous, and it might've been throughout the country, but it was this horrendous kind of chest thing going around. And I had to use an inhaler. I've never used an inhaler before. My mother had to, my mother got it. She had to use an inhaler and it was just, it was so bad. Anyway, so I got sick that year and then I think that was it. And I really, Mm -hmm. since then I've had a cold and what's even crazy. I used to get sick all the fucking time. All the time. Mm-hmm. I used to get sick, like, when I was a smoker, I was getting sick maybe six or seven times a year, just, like, with colds, nothing major. Right. Although right. I would usually get, like, a major thing once a year. And mm-hmm. um, since I've quit smoking, yes, that's gone away. But, um, it, and it was funny, too, because in 2017, I was with my dad and my stepmom, and they both had fevers. And I was mm. staying with them, and I just, I am a, I swear by odorless garlic, because I read that it is a... Um, it's antiviral and antibacterial. And my, okay. my friend used to tell me to, if I felt sick, that like he's like, go make soup with like 12 garlic cloves. And it's like, no fucking way. I'm not doing it. <laughs> and um, I can't, I, I will smell it until I, so I thought, well, I'll try odorless garlic. And, and I took, while I was staying with my dad, I've talked about this on the show before, but I was staying there looking for a place to live when, when I was moving from California to Maryland. Anyway, uh, I took probably three or four gel caps 
every four mm-hmm. hours and I never wow. got sick. And so, you know, whether it's a placebo, I don't fucking care. I didn't get yeah. sick. <laughs> so, um, whatever works. Yeah, yeah, whatever works. It's I'm not just like going to hurt you. Yeah. No, it doesn't hurt you. And that's the great thing. But it's, um, so I haven't been sick for a long time, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's just like, it, of course, I think I've been able to avoid it and it mm-hmm. really scares me, but I'm grateful and appreciative to hear your experience because I know everybody's is different. Each mm-hmm. person is going to have a different story. Even somebody who's been, you know, twice vaxxed and boosted on top mm-hmm. of it, two people are going to have two different experiences because yeah. of age or, you know, medical history and all that stuff. So, but mm-hmm. it's good to know. And, um, I'm glad that you guys seem to be okay. Do you have any, uh, outside of your issues with smell and taste, do you have any lingering effects? No, I mean, no, it's funny because, um, I would say that I, even energy wise in terms of just a day, like mm-hmm. a, a, I'm still not fully back to my roaring self, but but otherwise, you know, I'm fine. It's, it's funny, just as an aside here, it's important to, to know it's a lot of people I've gotten, and I know a lot of people who have, a lot of people have given me shit. Um, a lot of people even in my social life have said, like, look, this whole vaccine mandate thing is bullshit. You're vaccinated, double vaccinated, boosted, and you still got Omicron, and you still got sick, and you still had to miss work, and it's and it's like it's so important for me to call that bullshit out yeah. because what what those people are still not recognizing is yes, yeah, I got it, even though I was masked at work and masked in stores and double vaccinated, boosted, and everything, all those other things. But here's the point: I didn't end up. I'm 47. I'm no spring chicken, and I and I was also a smoker for a decade, mm-hmm. so my life probably not pristine. Um, even though I quit in 2009, but still, um, and I didn't end up in the hospital. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I said, I was still able to do things in my life. I did not end up dead. Mm -hmm. So important for me, just something I wanted to say that, uh, for that argument, Mm -hmm. it's like, shut up. That doesn't make any sense. I'm I'm still here. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't something I would wish on anyone. And I was, you know, as protected as possible, but that makes an even stronger argument for the vaccines. Mm -hmm. so yeah absolutely and that is important to say because of course you're going to have people who are just making those dumb fuck arguments and unfortunately we have to just deal with them all the time and and you know i think that you know i know that there i can't remember what the statistics are but fewer people are getting boosted as opposed to getting the initial two vaccines and i totally understand who the fuck wants to get vaccinated i mean aside from having you know whatever like um side effects those are no fun. Um, no. And, and, you know, you always think, okay, what is this going to mean in 10 years? Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like, well, you got to measure and weigh what's what happens if you don't get vaccinated. Well, you could fucking die. So right. I'm just going to go with I'm going to go with being vaccinated. And I've been vaccinated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. it's not my right. first it's not my first rodeo. And, right. uh, I, you know, none of we've all been vaccinated. And I know that this particular vaccine the MRAs, mRNA, or what is it? M- I can't even remember. Yeah, mRNA. Yeah. mRNA. Um, yeah, they were specifically made for the for for COVID, but they were already in the works, and they had you know everybody stopped with all the scientists stopped what they were doing specifically to focus on this, and it's not like they just came up with that out of nowhere. As I said, they were working on COVID vaccines for years. In fact, you can find. Um, on certain products like certain bleach products and and everything it'll say it will kill the coronavirus so the coronavirus has been around it's just variations and so they've been aware of it 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah, anyway, so I'm just, I don't know. It, I know there's that stealth COVID, and I'm just trying to pretend it's not around. <laughs> like, please, no. <laughs> I, yeah, I can't what, take this. What's stealth COVID? <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's another variant. And I know that they don't, from what I've read about it, it's supposedly more transmissible than the original Omicron. It's the stealth Omicron, yeah. So it's it's more contagious, but I don't. But nobody's been able to say if it's if you, um, if it's milder or whatever. I don't I don't know. I don't know exactly what's going on. I have only heard about it two times, and from legitimate places, from the World Health Organization, and it has been detected in forty different countries. But mm-hmm. but it you know I mean I have only heard about it twice in the past couple of weeks. As opposed mm-hmm. to when Omicron first started, it was like every day it got worse and worse and worse and worse. So uh, I think I think we should be, well, I'm, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to jinx it or anything, but I'm just hoping that it kind of fades because there's going to be variants that pop up. I mean, we heard of the Mu, vi- the Mu variant and, you know, you don't really hear much about that. So right. I'm just, again, like, I hope it just falls away. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think coupled with the number of people who are vaccinated um and boosted mm-hmm. the people who now have uh, i hate these words mm-hmm. but natural immunity mm-hmm. infected i my my hope and i mean i've heard of people on the news talking about this too that it seems like that should be enough right at least squash any new real big spikes yeah. um and, and plus summer coming, and I hate also saying that with the warmer weather. I know. I <laughs> would love to say that, but um, uh, maybe, let's just maybe knock on wood, maybe, like, it'll just be like the seasonal flu kind of thing, and we yeah. might need to get boosted every year, who knows, right. but maybe the worst of it, and I, and I said that already, I said that, <laughs> <laughs> this may be the worst of this particular pandemic is behind us, Exactly, yeah. let's just keep our fingers crossed. Let's, um. <laughs> Okay. One thing I can say oh. is that we, real quick, we definitely found a way, I think we found a way as a society to manage to continue mm-hmm. and not shut it but that's good. Yes, it is good, and mm-hmm. I mean, it's got, I mean, it's like one one or the other. We either shut everything down and the economy goes to shit or some of us, you know, a lot of us get sick. I, I, unfortunately, that's how it's got to be. And I don't like it, but that's what, right. that's the way it is. You got to find, gotta find some, some sort of middle ground there. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we're going to talk about politics right after this quick break. Hey, it's Kimberly. Are you a patron of the show yet? If you're not, it's really easy to become one. So easy. Just go to patreon.com slash startmeup. Check out all the different tiers. Choose the one you like and become a patron today. I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. And we're back. All right. So let's go. Let's take a look at, first of all, there is a Rolling Stone article. I don't know if you've read it, but it's called uh, 25 Years Undercover. Uh, He spent 25 years infiltrating Nazis, the Klan, and biker gangs. So Scott was a, it's Scott, and he doesn't want to use his last name. He was a top undercover agent for the FBI, putting himself in harm's way dozens of times. Now he's telling his story for the first time to sound the alarm about the threat of far-right extremists in America. Did you happen to read this? I have not read it. I have seen it. I'm familiar with it, but I haven't read it. Well, it's really terrifying, and it's very, very, very long. It's good. And my mother read it, and she's like, oh, my God, you got to read this article. It's like a movie. They could make a movie out of it. you got to read it. It's really long, but you got to read it. And she was, like, going on and on. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to read it. <laughs> so uh, I read it, and I highly recommend everybody reads it. But mm-hmm. it is terrifying. And I think the most – I mean, 
aside from there was this one paragraph about how one night all these guys were gathered all these you know white supremacists were gathered and they had a goat and they killed the goat and they were drinking its blood and yeah it's fucking gross and so the guy scott said by the time you know the vial got to him the blood started to coagulate and oh, he's, <laughs> and they were vomiting, but he said he just like dipped his tinger, his finger into it and touched his lip and that, that's all he would do. Okay. So that's gross and everything. But the scary part of this article is really about, and it's not surprising at all. It's about how they uh, go around recruiting. And unfortunately, you know, the internet makes it so easy. I remember seeing, I think it was, I don't know, sometime in the earlier 2000s, there was this guy named Louis Theroux, who I absolutely love. He's this British journalist, and he went in, he wasn't undercover, but he went into KKK, KKK, um, I don't know, like an, er- a people, an area where there were a lot of people in the KKK. And so he just kind of like hung out with them and interviewed them. And I remember being so completely, I, I mean, I couldn't fucking believe what I was seeing. You, you would see these kids and he would interview the kids and they would have all these really racist horrible talking points mm-hmm. and i mean it was at that time in the early 2000s it was something that i mean i know i'm a white person and i don't experience the kind of racism and the kind of horrible violentness that black people go through or people of color in this country mm-hmm. you know my skin is definitely a privilege and it 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 shields me and it also sometimes it makes i'm not aware of what's going on and so you know back in that at that time obviously we knew about the kkk we knew about neo-nazis it was not something that i i had never heard of but it just seemed so i don't know like it was never going to take over you know like we had already been there and so now and and i think one of i think he might have also interviewed and if it wasn't him it was somebody else but it was just the idea of back in that time especially before the internet they didn't they couldn't like communicate with each other so quickly right now you can talk to someone in canada you could talk to somebody in russia and instantly they had to write stuff out they had to have town like you know local meetings everything took a lot longer so now with the internet it's happening quickly and what they're doing what these white supremacists are doing is they are targeting young angry violent uneducated boys really and Mm -hmm. they were they will be the ones to go out and fight you know the Mm -hmm. the older ones with money no they've got to be poor and uneducated and like girls don't want to fuck them and they're really they're really easy to get and it's Mm -hmm. fucking terrifying i mean i can't i i I don't even know what to say about it i mean how are you dealing with obviously we're watching the rise of white supremacy and what does that do to you how do you process that well um on a a couple of ways uh a couple of responses to it just the immediate response how do i deal with it um i start at home Mm -hmm. so important for me i strange thing to talk about on road trips but the kids (laughs) and i walk about history and um, something we have talked about in the car and then just follow-up conversations subsequent to that, especially recently, uh, has been about the Holocaust and about yeah. Hitler and about what happened and how things like that can happen. And, and part of the um, opening to a conversation like that 
in the era of Trump was that so much of what he was doing and what was happening and what was being allowed to happen was uh, reminiscent, eerily reminiscent of what we had read in our history books had happened in Europe and Germany with Hitler. Um, And it made me keenly aware of, of the messages that my kids were understanding were out there. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so just, just on a personal level, one of the ways that I deal with it is to make sure that my kids understand what happened mm-hmm. and how they're wrong and how they need to speak up against, out against them. Um, because, especially where we live, um, it's it's incredibly conservative here and there are very, very openly racist and uh, anti-Semitic people here. Mm-hmm. People who make, uh, don't even make them quietly comments about, you know, ethnicity and um race and religion and stuff like that so so it's just personally it's like i've been dealing with my kids and and they understand and and i think they're going to grow up to be very progressively minded uh equality focused uh people who advocate for that kind of thing um end up against it but um personally what scares me um and i talked about this a lot i i don't think that these racists, bigots, anti-Semites, I don't think, um, anti-Semitic people, I don't think that they, they sprang out of the ether, right? So, right. like, they've been here, mm-hmm. they were here, always been here, mm-hmm. and what Trump did was he pulled the covers out from under which they were hiding, right. shined a light on them and said, hey, look, come with me, I want you to know that I'm going to embrace your hate and fear of others mm-hmm. and your xenophobia and, and the very worst impulses that you have, I want, I want you that they're legitimate um and don't be afraid to feel this way and it was and he don't give him credit for anything mm-hmm. but it, it, oh i'm smart but that that is how he basically wrote he's gotten the grip that he has on yeah. the percentage of our population that he has because he not only got the openly bigoted people right mm-hmm. he got the ones that i know personally who never said those things out loud, right? Yeah. They were just these thoughts that sort of echoed in their minds, like their kids were in college with these kids who got the same college education, even though they didn't pay for it. Right. And how was there? Because suddenly there was this burden of being white mm-hmm. and privileged, and that that sort of resentment that would seep in. And now they get to say it out loud. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so the fact that there's a rise, and I'm just looking at this. I heard this on the news today, but there's this huge rise, um, statistically speaking, in anti-Semitism in America. And, and, and they're saying that um, the 82, 82% of American Jews say that anti-Semitism has risen over the last five years, while only 44% of the general public believes that to be the case. And that statistic is pretty staggering, right? Like, yeah. we're see it. Yeah. But nobody wants to acknowledge it because it's like this this dirty little secret, even mm-hmm. though it's out there. Um, and it's a very, very, very dangerous slope because the Republicans are heavily leaning into embracing this further and further and more and more. And like to your point before about stupid people, um, a lot <laughs> of the times these things align, mm-hmm. not always. Um, and people are very easily manipulated into doing you're bidding and into believing that what you're doing is for them mm-hmm. like dismantle democracy when it's not um yeah. so if 
tap into their basic hatred of nonsensical, uneducated hatred of others who are not coming for their anythings, not yeah. their fill-in-the-blank guns, not their rights, not their wives, mm-hmm. not their jobs, none of it. But if you make them believe it, um, you can do anything. And um, and if that's that fear, that's demagoguery. And yeah. that's where what we're looking at. Uh, so it's like all hand-in-hand, hand, these things make sense um, as we look towards the future and what um, Republicans are trying to do and what they're taking advantage of and, and what they're feeding into in this country. It's really, it's terrifying and we mm-hmm. have to push back with every ounce of strength and fight and might that we have because uh, if we don't, we're going to be facing a very grim future. Hell yeah, and it's terrifying. I mean, it's like, you know, I just, every single day, I, I always think about you know, the 90s and the early 2000s or whatever when I was younger. Actually, everything everything up until 2015. Yeah. <laughs> My whole life up until 2015. Never thought I was going to see what we're experiencing now. Um, but this brings me to the next point, which is, okay, Trump has recently said that he would pardon all the 1-6 insurrectionists mm-hmm. and he admitted that he wanted to have the election overturned and he's basically inciting violence. Not basically, he's inciting violence and we can all see it it's all happening now mm-hmm. i want to know what you have to say because there's been these camps with merrick garland and the doj and what they're doing i have tried to stay out of the camps because i do believe merrick garland should be you know going after donald trump and company for whatever whether it's one six um whatever he's done the DOJ could get him for I think the DOJ needs to take it seriously and I don't know exactly what's happening Uh, the only thing that I care about is I don't want the and I've said this a million times but I'm just going to keep saying it because it's important but I don't want the narrative to become that everything hinges on what Merrick Garland does to save democracy because we we had there's all these other things yes we are supposed to be a country that's you know about the rule of law and unfortunately we do know that the past has shown us that not everybody who commits crimes pays for those crimes. And as much right. as I want Trump to sit you know, in jail, and I want him to go to jail, I don't think jail is going to um, fix him. <laughs> I don't think it's going to make him become a better person. But he's hurt so many people, and he, he should be there um, to have that, like my human vengeful self wants him to be punished for what he's done but I also understand that he may not experience the kind of justice that I believe he should get and and I would rather still just have a democracy even if I'm disappointed in what you know the DOJ or whatever decides to do but now with this new kind of development Trump is so bold and he knows he feels he's not going to have to pay for anything he's doing and he's also I think trying to protect himself by saying go fight if I get indicted uh, what what do you what are your thoughts on Garland the DOJ and how they should be moving on this now let's unpack here so <laughs> yes it thing, is <laughs> yeah the first thing I want to sort of uh, tackle I I have never been and I will never be one of those people who says what the fuck Garland what the fuck are you doing why are you sitting on your fucking ass like 
Okay. <laughs> I'm a mom in New Jersey, and probably whoever's tweeting that, what the fuck is up, Garland? We should have picked Tally Yates. It's just somebody who works at a regular job somewhere in friggin' God knows where, Ohio. I don't know. <laughs> but the thing is, it's way above my pay grade yeah. to know. <laughs> what? Merrick Garland, who, by the way, oversees a massive yeah. fucking department. I don't even know how many tens, hundreds of those. I don't work at DOJ. Yeah. I don't even know. It's a lot more than I know. <laughs> but there's so many mechanisms, so many wheels, so many gears, so many moving parts involved in all of that, that to pretend to even know that because we haven't seen mm-hmm. any indictments of the top tier people involved in this whole thing, that it's not, that things are not underway. Mm-hmm. Um, just as a side note, and a very important book that I think is helpful to read to give everybody a second of pause and perspective is um, Doing Justice by Preet Bharara, who is, by the way, my biggest internet crush on the planet. And hi, Preet, <laughs> if you're listening, it's the truth, and he knows it. And I've met him, and he's incredibly adorable. But also, <laughs> his book will reaffirm your sense of the fact that, yes, justice can take time, and yes, you can not bang your head against the wall thinking it's never going to happen, and yet it still somehow usually, not mm-hmm. always, but usually finds a way. And it can take forever, and it can take a minute. But in a case like this, the reason I don't get into the weeds on why Garland isn't stepping up sooner, faster, harder, better, mm-hmm. you name it, um, is because they need to make the fuck sure that whatever it is they're coming with has to be fuck mm-hmm. fucking tight yes. because 70 million fucking people picked this guy mm-hmm. right and not to mention tens of thousands of them i don't even know just attacked the united states capital mm-hmm. in his name yeah, right right so not only is there a lot of people out there who'd be like yeah no that witch hunt shit is true if we don't come with the most locked type thing in the world there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be prone to acting violently in response to that because he's already cueing them to do it they were already keyed up to begin with but now he's really cueing them to do it mm-hmm. because he knows he knows i think he knows what's coming and i yes and i i the one thing i used to say about the 2020 election was that I, I couldn't. I could not predict what was going to happen because I never predicted that Trump would fucking beat Hillary. Yeah. But that I had to make a choice, and my choice was this: either I was going to dwell on what could go wrong yes. and what was wrong, and that we would be facing four more years of wrong, or I could focus my energy on believing that the right thing would end up prevailing. Mm-hmm. Right? Because me too. That that I put out there in the universe that this is going to fail, and this is going to be terrible, and we're all yes. going to die. It's going to become self-fulfilling. Yes. You know what I mean? So I'm sort of approaching this like gotcha. that. Although yeah. <laughs> I need to caveat all that and preface all of that again by saying that every single day that passes, mm-hmm. we do not see some tangible like action, some actual consequences, definitive consequences, and that means yes indictments doesn't mean steve bannon doesn't mean even freaking mark meadows it means the top mm-hmm. tier people who we know who we know mm-hmm. respond because every day that passes where this is allowed to continue to go on is a festering poison mm-hmm. in this country's bloodstream where not only do the there's so many layers to this not only do the people who have the bad intentions become increasingly emboldened as we're seeing by him bragging now about mm-hmm. what he did. 
and what he intended and what he wants people to do in response to any consequences he may face, it does that for them, right? It mm -hmm. also emboldens the people who may have been sitting on their hands and be yes. like, I don't want to touch that. It seems a little bit too whatever for me. Now they're kind of like, well, what's the real risk to doing so? Right. Worse than all of that is it takes the people, the resistors, the fighters, the progressives, the people on the left who want so badly to believe that there's going to be consequences for this attack on our actual capital, right? Mm -hmm. That we become disheartened, disillusioned, mm -hmm. that we become apathetic and that we lose hope. Yeah. And once that happens, all of that other shit on the other side of the scale weighs a lot more. Mm -hmm. So I understand that I don't understand <laughs> what the Department of Justice is doing. I do not pin all of this on one little right like man yeah um but i i do need them mm -hmm. to hurry up <laughs> about this a lot you know it's yeah. like the, the the stupid i don't they're not really rallies they're just hate fests and mm -hmm. bullshit factory fests but mm -hmm. that rally the other night in texas the cult rally um i woke up the next morning and i i really shook my head i was like i cannot fucking believe that this person, that this this creature, this twice impeached one term fucking con man, a year out of inciting, plotting a coup via PowerPoint and plot and inciting a deadly insurrection. I think we've lost five Capitol Police now. Mm -hmm. Inciting that that fucking insurrection. I don't know. Did I just say erection? It sounds like I said erection. <laughs> Uh, he's the opposite of that. But that he's able, that we live in a country where that fucking freak is able to basically campaign yeah. to run for president. The office he abused to the more than any other mm. sitting president in our history is able to go out there, brag about what he did, and conceivably and very likely become the nominee yeah. for that party in the next election is fucking mind-blowing. So the DOJ does have to hurry up because this is becoming normal, mm -hmm. and it's not normal. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if I answered all your questions on that, but those are some of my thoughts. <laughs> no, and I agree with you, and I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. Actually, I did the same thing in 2020. I didn't take it as far as you did, but at the same time, like saying, you know, I'm not going to put that out in the universe and all, but I do believe in like collective kind of consciousness. Yeah. And, you know, I do believe that we can manifest mm -hmm. everything collectively. I mean, I, individually mm -hmm. we do it. And I talk about that a lot on my uh, patrons only podcast, just personally. But mm -hmm. outside of that, there is a collective consciousness that when, you know, and it just, there are so many, and of course I can't think of a specific example, um, but there are so many times when we all kind of get on board with something and mm. just kind of push it in that direction. That's if, mm. it, when we have a collective assumption. Now, I will say, I think there was a collective assumption in 2016 that Hillary Clinton would win. But, but there was cheating. She did mm -hmm. win. So we were correct in that more people voted for her than voted for Trump. But because there was help with Russia and they yeah. targeted the elect those elector states, they um, they cheated. So she she really did win and mm -hmm. collectively i think we all believed that she would win i mean some of us were afraid and some of us thought there was a path for trump but mm -hmm. but at the same time you know that that collective consciousness is very very powerful 
And I think it's so important, you know, I mean, in 2020, I just chose not to dwell in the Mm -hmm. negative. I I was too afraid to kind of uh, to go to the absolute best case scenario. I just kind of thought I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to if somebody says, what if Trump wins? No, I'm not going there. If he wins, then we will deal with it when he wins. But I I don't you know, why do I have to borrow that fucking trouble right now when it may not even happen? So um, I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. And I'm also with you. I, I totally agree on the Garland thing because I do feel like this changes it changes things up a little bit because he is getting he is like you said he feels the water rising and he understands that from somewhere he's going to get it and mm-hmm. you know it may just be it may just be new york and his taxes mm-hmm. and racketeering and whatever he's you know whether it's uh ag james who gets him and is able to bankrupt him or, mm-hmm. you know, if the DA is able to get him with some kind of criminal charges. And, and again, you're right that it has to be so apt. Like it's it's got to be like a thousand percent positive. They're going to get, um, yeah. you know, a win on, on this or right. forget it. It isn't worth it if no. they go after him and and then he gets away with it. That's a worst case scenario. Great. And so, um, you know, they do have to be sure. But I agree with you 100 percent. Something has to be done. We, we have to get an idea. And Garland, you know, the, I, I saw somebody um, tweeting this woman. Her name is Pam Keith. She's got a blue check. She like ex jag. She's really fucking smart. She mm-hmm. said in December that she thought that Merrick Garland went along. I'm sorry, um, that Mitch McConnell went along with Garland because he knew they all knew he would never go after Trump. Now, I, you know, she's guessing that, and I, I understand where she's coming from, and I'm not criticizing her. I just want to bring that up for a different perspective. And, you know, all I can say about that is I certainly hope that's not the case. Um, yeah. You know, and then there's also the idea that I've been hearing a lot that Donald Trump has been a secret informant for the FBI, and that's why he's not getting indicted. But it, you know, I think, God, I was talking to somebody on the show and they pointed out that, oh, I know it was AG from Mueller, she wrote, that if he were an informant, that it would only, he would only not get indicted for the crimes that he's informing the FBI about. So he can't, like, be an informant for, you know, uh, whoever he's dealing with, whatever, you know, mobster he's dealing with and passing on information to the FBI about said mobster. If Trump then goes and robs a bank... It's right. not like he just gets to rob the bank and the FBI looks the other way. So I yeah. don't think the informant thing, whether or not he was an informant, is even going to matter. But no. it's 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 all um, it's getting to a point now where I mean we've been putting up with the idea that Fox News can get away with lying and and mm-hmm. we call it First Amendment, which I don't think it should fall under the First Amendment, but it does, and mm-hmm. we've allowed that to get out of control. If if we allow him to bully and make everybody feel like if there's any kind of um justice done that th- there's going to be violence which leads me to this question what do you have to say to the people who make the argument that Merrick Garland is is maybe going to be shy about indicting Trump because the next time a Republican gets in they're going to indict the Democrat um two things I don't just to go back a second I don't think um Donald Trump has a friend in Mitch McConnell so I don't think Mitch McConnell would have made any kind of deal regarding Merrick Garland in that Mm -hmm. regard when Mm -hmm. you go back 
second impeachment and Mitch McConnell's long speech on um, his sort of take and why he was voting, unfortunately, not to impeach, which is sad, but whatever. Um, <laughs> does say, and I, and I want to be clear, I loathe the evil turtle. But <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I think it's done more damage collectively, to, I mean, singularly yes. to this Democratic Republic than any other, uh, than, than Trump um, yes. in many ways. In more, he's, um, Trump does these things very publicly and he's divided the country in a different way while yeah. Mitch has actually done the work of dismantling the mm -hmm. whole system. Mm -hmm. um, but that said, I don't think he is a fan of Trump. I don't think he sees Trump. I think he, maybe he serves his immediate needs, but I don't think he sees him. Um, then again, neither did the Germans in, in Germany, I mean, uh, with Hitler, but I don't yeah. think he sees him as the savior of the party. I agree um, with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think he would probably sooner see someone like Garland actually um, seek justice for his, his personal grievances, not to mention other things. But that, that aside, uh, your question was, um, oh, oh yeah. So I, so to answer your question about Garland's motivations and um, what might be driving his decisions, I don't think any political consideration is being made other than the fact that there's a huge, I mean, historic, literally historic number of American citizens who will be watching what comes out of whatever he's doing, mm -hmm. um, and that if he makes them think that it has been politically motivated, that it has been a witch hunt, because they love those words, mm -hmm. if he gives them even the slightest hint of an appearance of any of that, we're going to have that we're going to have a big problem on our hands as a country. I don't mm -hmm. think he, I don't think he's making any calculus dependent upon what he thinks the Republicans might do next time in power because he's not supposed to be a political figure. Mm -hmm. He's supposed to be the highest um, law enforcement person, right, in mm -hmm. the entire country. The highest, what is the word I'm trying to find? But um, he, he's supposed to be apolitical, right? And I believe that he is actually approaching his job like that. He said publicly that justice really is all that is guiding everything that they do mm -hmm. thank god that's a nice um very restorative given what the last guy was doing but um oh, you know yeah. yeah i don't think I, I honestly i appreciate the fact that biden's had a few slips where he's talked about people being indicted and he shouldn't have mm -hmm. um because it sounds very personal and 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 while yeah. we want that red meat because it makes us feel good <laughs> it's really what our presidents are supposed to say mm -hmm. um, so biden is is letting garland do his thing and let justice and the facts and the rule of law lead and garland i trust fully is doing that very thing and maybe that's why it feels like it's moving so slowly yeah, right but the thing we're not we're not getting the red meat we want as fast as we want because there's this um fear of what's going to happen next mm -hmm. and republicans if they god forbid and we need to fight with everything we have to avoid this from happening but if they get the house the january 6th committee goes away mm -hmm. the doj doesn't go away right go away there's still plenty of time mm -hmm. the, the, the committee helps because um what the what they can do for the public yeah is from what Merrick Garland can do for the public, um, but I but I do fear that that is that is something that will go away, but it won't. But Merrick Garland's investigations in the Department of Justice investigations won't, and I don't. And if he if we did find out that he had any political consider considerations in terms of what the other party might do if given the same power, mm -hmm. um, that would be a, a mistake on his part. Yeah, 
a hundred percent. And yeah, as I think, you know, Jamie Raskin said that the public hearings are going to blow the roof off and that'll be an interesting, you know, I mean, he knows stuff we don't know. And so we're going to find that out. And then, you know, I'm just going to add on that if it were, like you said, if it were a consideration for Garland not to go after a former president because for fear that that might happen the next time. Well, you know what? We are way past that. If the Republicans gain control, basically through cheating, all fucking bets are off. They're going to arrest everybody anyway. They're going to go after anybody anyway. It doesn't matter who it is. I mean, they're not going to go after me unless they got like everybody (laughs) because I'm so low on the totem pole. But whether it's journalists or... Um, You know, I mean, although I don't think I I don't think I would be able to continue this podcast if 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 they win. So, I mean, we're we're all going to be we're all going to be affected by it. But I I just think that this because there's no country that's going to come save us if if we start if the Republicans <laughs> take over, if the, if, if it becomes like this whole neo-Nazi situation, it's not going to become Germany. We're going to have a new version of, of, you know, whatever happens with white supremacy, but we can look back to the past, whether it's the civil war, whether it's Nazi Germany, and we understand their, basically their ideology and how they think. And what they mm-hmm. just want to do is preserve, not only preserve the white race, they want to exterminate anybody who's not a white Christian. And so while they may not be creating ovens for people to walk into, they will figure out another way. It will be just as deadly. It will be just as violent and it will be just as horrible. And people, I think in this country, so many of, there are a lot of people who get it, but there are a lot of people think, oh, that'll never happen here. And those people aren't even aware of the changes whether they've been subtle or drastic in the last, ever since Trump came down that escalator, there have been so many traditions and norms that have been stepped on. We have, we are normalizing things now. Unfortunately, the media is not helping at all. And, Mm -hmm. you know, with very few exception, um, people like Rachel Maddow, people like Lawrence O'Donnell, I like them, I trust them, but you know, they are not, they are not CNN. And so, whether right. it's CNN or other or Politico or certain New York Times opinion pieces, it, it would they would have you believe that basically Nazis and Democrats are just the same. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like no, it's not. It's not the fucking same, and it's just mm-hmm. fucking maddening to see what happens. Um, before yeah. I think this is going to be the last thing that we're going to talk about, um, and this is totally changing the subject. Okay, but. It's something that just enraged me, and it's not new. It's not new. But this guy named Garrett Saldano, he's a GOP candidate for gover- in, in, governor in Mis- Michigan, said that we must inspire women who have been raped to understand how heroic they are in giving birth and see that God put them in this moment. And then he said they don't know that the baby inside them may be the next president. Mm-hmm. And Mm -hmm. so this kind of ties into what we're talking about, though, because the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers and whatever are aligning their marches with these pro-life, which is really forced birth marches. Mm -hmm. And it's it's another, you know, with when you find white supremacy, you find misogyny. Obviously, you're going to find bigotry and all that stuff. But um, I think I mean, I I already know how you feel about this because you're a smart woman (laughs) and you're a liberal woman. But it's like... When when I hear, I mean, there's there's so many quotes from Republicans about rape, and they're all coming 
I think they're all coming from men. I think there was one woman who said something egregious, but mostly, you know, it's like it, rape, uh, what was it, rape pregnancies. There's, women have a way to shut that thing down. That was Todd Aiken, who is no longer with us. He said that in 2022. Like, mm-hmm. if you get pregnant during a rape, like, your body just knows how to shut it down. That's what yeah. he thought. Oh. And um, I'm trying to think. That in, like, Murdoch, Richard Murdoch, who I can't remember. He was a representative GOP congressman. He, I think he said something like, you have to, oh, God, I can't even remember his quote. But it's just basically oh, something like you it, get from God. Yeah, he does. I have it right here. He does. He says, 2012, he said that, uh, that a woman who gets pregnant by a rapist is carrying a gift from God. There you go. I struggled with it myself for a long time, but I came to realize life is that gift from God. And I think even when life begins in that horrible situation of rape, that it is something that God intended to happen. Okay, so my question to him is if he had a daughter and he was, and his daughter was raped by a black man um, and impregnated, would he still have this to say? Because you know what, I will, I did interview Joe Walsh and mm-hmm. we specifically talked about abortion and, and I will say that he was kind to, to have this debate. He tried, but he said if he had a daughter and she was raped, Basically, he'd force her into giving birth. And I can't get over that. As much wow. as, you know, as much as I understand that Jeez. Joe Walsh, I know, he sees Trump for who he is. Yeah, um, yeah. He's still a libertarian conservative. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to take, I, 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 ha- I cannot respect anybody that no. takes on that, that narrative. And honestly, I don't know if I would say, okay, Joe Walsh, if your little girl was raped by a black man, would you still feel that way? I don't know if he would be truthful. I don't know if he would, and maybe he wouldn't care because he's a Catholic and he does believe he, I know he thinks, and this is, this is the problem with so many of them. I think that they are genuine. I mean, I know that it's like, I don't think Joe Walsh wants to oppress women. I don't think that's his goal. I think Mm. he has seriously misguided in his religious beliefs that Mm -hmm. he, you know, he's extrapolating whatever about, you know, I don't know, embryos or, you know, he, he, he's like, okay, that's a human life. And I just, you know, we have to protect human life at any cost. And so maybe that argument um, would cause him to say, sure, if she was raped by a black man. But, you know, so many of these evangelical Christian bullshitters, I don't think they would have that opinion. I don't. I can't speak for Joe Walsh on this. I don't know. Um, But for the rest of them who come from a more, I think they do want to oppress women. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I feel like they, they wrap it up in this whole gift from God shit and they know better. They know better. But it's like, I think it's just important to point this out because, you know, as, as a woman, uh, you know, as a, you're a good looking white woman and, and, and I'm a good looking white woman. And so when we're walking around in the world, there's less of a chance that something is going to happen to us um, just because of our privilege. That doesn't mean nothing will ever happen to us. That's bad. But, you know, you can, you just know as a white person, you're not, you're, when you get pulled over, especially by a white police officer, there's a good chance you're going to walk away with notes. That's happened to me. Oh, yeah, all the time. And, and you know, it's like a, a black woman who gets pulled over isn't necessarily going to have that experience. And, no. you know, and so I feel like, okay, the white, you know, when you think in terms of white supremacy, it's not like, oh, I'm white and I'm safe. 
And even if it were the case, I would still be highly against white supremacy. Even right. if I thought I was safe and I didn't have to worry because I'm a woman, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm a woman who speaks out and I, I defend or I, you know, I promote the idea that we have to be equal and that we should, you know, have equality at the, you know, for voting and for the workplace or wherever. It's like equality for all. Even if yeah. I think you're an asshole, you deserve equality. You know? Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And so, but it's scary as a woman and I, I genuinely, and I'm assuming you do and I'll ask you, but it, it makes me feel vulnerable just being a woman out. And, and right now it's not that bad. If, if Republicans take over, it gets way worse. But just right. being out alone in the world, whether I'm in my car or walking, I feel more vulnerable. I, do, do you get that feeling as well? I think um, I think back to some things that you were talking, you were mentioning about sort of like you know Joe's approach to why he thinks the way he does about abortion and where that comes from. I think baked into the cake of all of this is is control over women first and foremost, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, it's even. Irregardless, I hate that word. Is that a word? Regardless, not <laughs> yeah. ever. Uh, Regardless. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think first and foremost, um, very American ideal of manlyhood uh, is that men, white men, yes, but men get to control. They get to say mm -hmm. and will forever maintain that they want to have a say in what women do that with their bodies, whatever, mm -hmm. and that that is the the tent under which everything else exists right so but like men like joe may not even realize the messaging that they've gotten their whole lives mm -hmm. that that has maybe been overt that has signaled to them that they can then make this argument that they can tell a woman mm -hmm. whether or not she can or his a child or whoever that they're not they can have or cannot have can make the choice not to have a baby like that that it's so crazy to me that that there's even really a dialogue mm -hmm. about that um, because why? Yeah. Why anyone think that they could um, make that decision for another woman? But um, yeah, I mean, just I do feel more vulnerable in a lot of ways being a woman out there because everything and this kind of brings everything we were talking about full circle. Every worst impulse, every dark thought, every basic caveman bullshit ideology crap that existed and has existed in society forever is now getting VIP treatment mm -hmm. from a lot of seemingly reasonable, yeah. rational leaders, right. right? Right. It's not just that it's the fringe people who are out there saying fringe things to themselves in an echo chamber thanks to social media the French people got in yeah and it's reputable seemingly people it's mm -hmm. it's it's your you know congress people and and uh minority leaders and yes um and your very successful tv propagandists mm -hmm. who picking up on what's seemingly popular among their viewership which is to say that they're intolerance hate and uh and or control of others is good mm -hmm. um so as a woman especially as a woman who like you thinks about where this country is going and how far we're sliding backwards um yeah we are more vulnerable mm -hmm. i my friends i i use air quotes at work <laughs> who are 
Trump voters who are more concerned right now with obsessing about the price of fucking chicken mm-hmm. um, than they are about what's being stripped from their children as they grow up in this world in terms of rights. Mm-hmm. Um, they they wouldn't feel they would never say they feel vulnerable. What they would say is, yeah, because Biden's country is going to hell. And it's yeah. bullshit. Whatever. That's what they would say because they're not paying attention. Because if they were paying attention, then they'd have to face some really ugly mm-hmm. truths about they surround themselves with and the people that they want in elected office but they are more vulnerable as women and their children their daughters are going to be more vulnerable Mm -hmm. as we're going through the society if we don't fucking stop this now because what we're looking at is a dying breed of americans and that is the white powerful male who gets to pull all the levers and call Mm -hmm. all the shots and make all the decisions but the problem they have right now is that demographically they're losing their grip big time on power and they know it so they're desperate they're in the throes of extinction and when you have that what are you going to do but everything in your power to make sure that that the slope reverses and that you are not the ones on the uh, losing end of um evolution whatever that requires so um as as a woman as a liberal woman um as a woman who's half middle eastern Mm -hmm. uh, these are things that i think about a lot yeah a lot and it's terrifying because you know between the book banning and um the open neo-nazi shit in florida without any pushback from leadership there everything else under the sun we're sliding backwards so much faster than it than it took us to climb to get to even where we are which is by far no means perfect that it's really really scary Mm -hmm. so uh, yeah that's that's why i don't understand and i'm sure you feel the same way because you do pay attention Mm -hmm. i don't understand how anyone cannot be paying attention right now like heather Heyer said before Charlottesville, her last Facebook post was, "If you're not, if you're not outraged right now, you're not paying attention." Yeah, right. And and that's that 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 message resonates with me every day, has every day since her death, because it is the God's honest truth. Yep. Because if you want to, if you go, you're going to wake up, and all these idiots who think that these people that talk the talk about you know their rights and bullshit, they're not going to be there for you. No. When you need food on your table. Mm-hmm. And all the good jobs are given to the the autocrats and the the the, the wealthy children of whoever's who right. did this and that. You're going to be the fucking bottom of mm-hmm. this barrel, and you're going to be like, "What happened?" Yeah, that's so the thing that drives me nuts is that there. It's like you know, I posted something today. Like, if if you don't, if we don't do what we need to do, we're going to wake up after the twenty, you know, in twenty twenty five. And say, oh my God, why didn't I do more? Yeah. And you know, right now, there, there's only so much we can do as individuals because right. you know, obviously, we need the Democratic Party to figure it out and 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 get their shit together. And it's not the party; it's basically two people. And the Democratic Party needs to figure out the best way to deal. And I hope they can. I hope mm. they can do it with Cinema and Mansion. And frankly, as much as I want this build back better, 
I don't even care about that right now. It's all about voting rights. We've got to figure out a, a way to get voting rights passed. It's just got to fucking happen. And I agree. Yeah, and somehow I, they've got to figure – Mitch McConnell would have figured it out. I don't oh, know yeah. what they're doing. If they would have had, you know, Democratic moles or something like that on their side, I don't know how they would do it. But it feels like – I mean, I don't think they're li- literal moles, but they are no. obstructionists, and they're, in, they're standing in the way. Mitch McConnell did figure it out with the minority. He figured it out because guess right, what? There you he go. got Nixon and Cinema. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he, he did figure it out. Yes, he um, did. <laughs> at the end of the day, he, he outplayed, outwisted, yeah. and outlasted Schumer. Um, so I want Nancy Pelosi to like. Can she just step in? Can she just tell him what to do? Because I do think she knows what she's doing. Head. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need we need a woman to sit cinema down and be like bitch yeah that's that yes okay take off your stupid jewelry <laughs> take off the dumb boots yes I mean, woman to woman cut the shit because yeah. this is this is not gonna help you dummy you're yeah. not gonna be, end up on the top of this pile you're gonna end up on the bottom of this pile when you have to betray your entire party and that other party gets power and they're like oh yeah you fuck yeah you. right they you're, won't care about her and the other do what do you yep yeah and i, I feel would. like on top of it I think they need to figure out a way to not only just say you're not going to get what you want, but yeah. here's how you're going to get punished. Here's how we're going to punish you. Here's how whatever you're doing is going to hurt you right now. And I don't know what that would be. I don't know. I mean, if she wants to go back to her constituents and say, hey, I got this for you. No, you don't get it. Whatever no. it is that they need to do, um, they need to figure that out because this is the most important thing. And, Great. you know, I mean, there's just. I can't say it enough. There's no more important thing. We have to make sure. When I was talking with Allison Gill of Mueller, she wrote, you know, she was saying if we don't get this bill passed, if nothing else, Democrats have to figure out how to stop this thing of Republicans just putting in electors who are going to overturn a free and fair election. Oh, my so God, yeah. That, I mean, as much as I want to get rid of gerrymandering and these stupid fucking laws, I don't care about the water. You know, bring your own water. People can bring their own fucking water. Yeah. Um, you know, th- those are just those are just ridiculous laws that shouldn't be there. But it's just another way to make people feel intimidated or pressured or whatever. But it's like yeah. the the most important things I think are the gerrymandering and the uh, and uh, definitely electors. Yes, exactly yeah. the electors. Those are the you, two things. So yeah, they get that they 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 get away with that. They get mm-hmm. away with that and and in 2024 and you're giving back Arizona you're giving Mm -hmm. back Georgia you're giving back Pennsylvania you're giving I believe Michigan you're giving them back Mm -hmm. because because the same fucking fake electors who sent the fake things to the uh, what's the word I'm trying to find here Uh, National Archives right those are the very same people who are gonna be like sorry nope we're gonna go with Mm -hmm. this instead and I believe that, to your point, if we do not do something about this right now, mm-hmm. we have just seen our last legitimate yeah. presidential election ever. Yeah, I really, and that's not hyperbole. No, it isn't. And, and some of the greatest, some of the greatest historical scholars and political pundits and political professors and law experts in the country, in the world, are sounding the alarm right now. And th- that—that's how you know. <laughs> no, yeah. this is. We're on the edge of a cliff. We are. And that's why I just don't understand. Cinemas and mansions behavior is so mind-boggling, truly. Yeah. Can't wrap Well, it just goes to show you how how greed 
is like yeah. it's it's just it's so toxic and it's so enticing to some people and I'll yeah. never I'll never figure it out because no matter what no matter what you could never pay me never mm. there would be no amount of money 10 million dollars 50 million dollars no <laughs> no I would rather keep this country uh yeah. you know as imperfect it is as it is um, right. At least, you know, I mean, it's still the country everybody wants to come to. It's still mm -hmm. the country where you can. I mean, it's, there's that whole saying about, you know, people talking about the rednecks, like you're never going to make a million dollars. But it, there is this country, or there is this idea in this country that, yeah, you could start from nothing and you yes. can make something of yourself. And it, and, and it is easier for white people. And there are all kinds of obstruct, there's all kinds of obstruct, like, uh, obstruction for anyone who isn't white and even you know yeah. I mean it's like there's I don't know it's another conversation but yeah. it's just it's something that we all need to take really seriously and I'm grateful because you are not only smart but you're funny and <laughs> you have this really great way of putting words together and it I think it really makes a difference to oh. you know and, and I mean that because Twitter is a place where even though it's somewhat of an echo chamber, I'm going to say I have learned a lot from other people. I, mm -hmm. Whether it's certain facts that I've learned or, mm -hmm. you know, if it's a way to put something together. And you're one of those people where yeah. when you say something, you're able to do it in an entertaining way, whether it's <laughs> funny or whether it's clever or both or whatever. And it sticks and it means something because there are a lot of people out there that we all have different levels of understanding what's going on, understanding mm -hmm. how government works. Well, when someone out there like you or like me or whoever, anybody, puts something out there on Twitter and you can read and go, oh, I didn't know that. And it mm -hmm. doesn't matter how many followers you have. You could have fucking five followers. And if you know yeah. what you're talking about and, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to help someone, you're going to teach them something or you're going to make them think something different or something will occur to them that had never occurred. So it is important and your voice is important. And of course, being funny just always makes it that much better. So <laughs> your voice is important too. And thank you for saying that. I, I often, I like to tell people whenever they'll listen that laughter is the perfect vehicle for all of this shit because it's, it's so fucking heavy and it's so fucking confusing. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, we're all just going through this, like real people mm -hmm. going through what we really can't, we can't, consume whole we have to yeah. take it in manageable if possible bites and sometimes to get a bite of this big giant fucked up mess it, we have to have uh something some a good chaser a shot of tequila yes. to go with it and <laughs> maybe a laugh or a little snark is that shot of tequila so yeah and it, it does it does does help save the sanity um yeah. okay so first of all thank you so much for being on the show i absolutely thank adore you, you. And I also adore Becky Sue. I got her, I got her name right. Um, all right. So tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, so I tweet at Jojo from Jurors. Um, and I'm on Instagram. I think it's Jojo dot from Jurors because somebody out there has that handle. And I'm also on Facebook. I have a Patreon, um, which is the same name, Jojo from Jurors. And uh, uh, I have my... Becky Sue videos on TikTok. That's that's at Joanne Carducci. Um, <laughs> dropping one of those pretty soon, probably white pine needles. I'm thinking, but um, yeah. So that's and I'm going to be hopefully 
launching um, a new podcast soon, um, maybe in the near future. I'll keep you I'll keep you informed as that comes along. Very cool. Well, just so everybody knows, um, on Patreon, I have included links to your Twitter and then also your your Patreon. So there's that. If you're listening on another, uh, you know, like on Apple or whatever, just head on over to it's start me. It's what is it? Patreon.com slash start me up. And that way you'll find the interview and you can get her or just go to Twitter. And it's yeah, it's Jojo, J-O-J-O from and then J-E-R-Z for your for your Twitter. So and of course, mine is author Kimberly with L-E-Y at the end of my name. My books are on Amazon. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much again. Oh, my God. Such a pleasure. Thank you for having me on again. All right. Well, I'll be seeing you on Twitter. All right. Sounds good. Bye bye. Okay, bye.